Friends, let us pray. Holy God, how can we keep from singing when we are in the presence of your holy word? So speak to us this day that the words that we hear might be your words and that we might respond according to the prompting of your Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Today's Gospel text is from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 6 through 20. Hear this prayer of Jesus. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you, for the words that you gave to me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf, I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them. And not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost, so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they have made my joy complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have tried to ban the word busy from my personal vocabulary. For so often we use the word as a badge of honor, as in, oh, I am so busy, I'm in such demand. Among aspiring overachievers, whoever is busiest wins, right? Even though there is no grand prize. So I've tried to shift to describing my life as full, doing the things that are meaningful and things that I choose to do. Not that it helps much, for I often tell folks that I've always got 20 different things to be doing at any one time, all important, and I pray to God that whichever one I choose is the right one in the moment. 
And then, of course, I have to ask for forgiveness for those that I have neglected. You see, as followers of Jesus, it seems there is so much for us to do. As evidenced in the months of May and June with all of the recognition Sundays that we mark. So much to do. We are a church committed to social justice and outreach, so we feel that urgency on a daily basis, don't we? Especially in this city, so segregated by race and class. We are a doing congregation. That's how many of us in this place are most comfortable expressing our faith. We have a long list of things to do that we have been doing for a long time. Rooms for homeless rain families to prepare. And can you believe that another rotation starts this afternoon? We're well over 100 by now. There are also food cupboard shelves to stock. There are dining room ministry meals to prepare and community garden beds to weed. There are children to tutor and enrichment programs to plan. There are habitat homes to build and the People's Emergency Fund to administer. There are grocery-run sponsors to find, public forums to plan, and advocacy letters to write. And that's not, if that's not enough, we keep finding new things to do. A new mission center to launch, Puerto Rican hurricane refugees to assist, a new ministry partnership to form. And that's just the outreach arm of this church. There are people to encourage, struggles to listen to, and families to support. There are Bible studies to have, choir anthems to practice, bells to ring and worship to prepare. There are babies to baptize, children to teach, youth to commission, mission trips to organize. And then we have to run the church. There are meetings to attend, stewardship campaigns to run, grounds to keep up, facilities to clean, stained glass windows to repair. There are phone calls to return, millions of emails to read, and volunteers to recruit. And did I mention the emails? There are budgets to oversee, funds to manage, child protection, and sexual misconduct policies to write. There is consensus to build and decision after decision to make. And did I mention the emails? There are hospital visits to make and Sunday flowers to deliver. There are grieving people to comfort and caring gestures to give. And for all of us, more personally, there are relationships to repair, apologies to be made, and grudges to let go. There are sins to confess, wrongs to make right, and divisions to make whole. There are devils to resist, evil to oppose, and despair to overcome. Are you tired yet? Are you overwhelmed? 
And then there are all of the prayers we need to pray. Prayers of confession and prayers of thanksgiving, prayers for the world and prayers for one another. Prayers for ourselves and prayers for our church, prayers for illumination and prayers for action. There is so much to do and so much to pray, and we have to do it in the middle of so much interference. Another notification on our smartphone, another text message, another app update. We're overcommitted and under-resourced. We're running everywhere to soccer practice, to music lessons, to homework sessions, to family obligations and doctor's appointments, and most days, there is too much to do and too much to pray amid way too much interference in our lives. And in all of this, in all of this, we are somehow supposed to follow Jesus? Really? The truth is, is that some days it is too much. Much too much. Well, we are not alone in this. For the disciples in today's gospel text, it was much too much as well. It was nearly time for Jesus to approach the hour of his death, his resurrection, and his ascension to heaven. And as they traveled the countryside, Jesus had been preparing them all along for life without him. He'd given them all the instructions they needed to go on. Time and time again, Jesus had encouraged them and reassured them, don't let your hearts be troubled, for I'm going to prepare a place for you. And time and time again, Jesus had told them what to do. Believe in me. Do what I do. Keep my commandments. Be productive. Bear fruit. Hold out in the face of difficulty. Love me. Love one another. And then go out and show that to the world. Tell the truth about me. However, he said, you need to know what you have signed up for. It's going to be hard. You're going to experience pain. You see, I'm leaving. I'm leaving to go back to my father. And you are going to face obstacles and trials of all sorts. That's what he told his disciples. You know that feeling when there's so much to do and all of your helpers have gone home for the night? You're left by yourself. You are just overwhelmed and you don't know where to start. And even though Jesus said he would turn it all into joy, even though he said, take courage, I have conquered the world, I think that if I had been one of the disciples sitting there and had just heard all of that, I would be overcome. So much to do. Believe. Love. Follow me, be productive, bear fruit, hold on tight, persevere, tell God's story, speak the truth, face the obstacles, and one more small little thing, take courage, because I have to leave you. 
right. It is too much. It may have even been too much for Jesus. Isaac Villegas writes of the desperation expressed by Jesus, saying, with both crucifixion and ascension on the horizon, the agony of his departure gnaws at his soul. The absence from them torments his thoughts. So Jesus looks to the heavens and begins to pray for his disciples. They get to hear him pray for them. Sometimes when there is too much to do and too much to face, it is time to put it all aside and not even, not even to drop down on our own knees and pray ourselves. Not even that, not yet anyway. Rather, it's time to simply hear. It's time to hear Jesus pray on our behalf, as he did in today's scripture story. On that night before his death, Jesus prayed for his disciples, yes. But his prayer was also on behalf of all of those who would believe in him. And that, friends, includes us, you and me. And just knowing that ought to blow our socks off. To know that back then Jesus prayed for us too, well, how do you even comprehend that? In the wake of gun violence tragedies in recent months, there has been a lot of well-deserved pushback against politicians and people who offer the verbal platitude of thoughts and prayers for victims without meaningful action behind it. But true prayer is no cliched expression, no excuse for inaction, but the very power of God to transform the world. A prayer makes sense only if it is lived, Bishop Anthony Bloom once wrote. Unless life and prayer become completely interwoven, Prayers become a sort of polite madrigal which you offer to God in those moments. And may I suggest that describes Jesus, one whose life and prayer were completely interwoven, no mere thoughts and prayers, but an integrated life of living what he prayed and praying what he lived. So today, just for now, let's put all of our to-dos aside and hear his prayer for all of his disciples then and now, them and us. Hear and let it sink into every cell of our being. Hear his prayer that God would protect us as we encounter the struggles and obstacles in our life of faith. Jesus asked God to guard us from forces of evil that resist God's purposes. He prayed that God would have our backs. Sometimes we only see in hindsight how we've been protected, but Jesus prayed for that long before we were ever born. 
And note what Jesus didn't pray. He didn't pray that we'd be taken out of the world away from all of its trials. He didn't pray that we would escape betrayal and hurt. Rather, he prayed for our protection in the midst of it. And he prayed that three times. And I think that's something to hang on to. He also prayed that we, as his disciples, would live in unity. And if we want to know how seriously Jesus took the unity of his followers, all we have to do is pay attention to the fact that he specifically prayed that we might be one, even as God and God's Son are one. This, friends, was a prayer that he lived. And how timely is that prayer in today's fractured world? I've read recent research that tells us that it used to be the nature of one's religion largely drove their politics. But now it's the exact opposite. It's people's politics that are driving their religion. But today's good news story calls Christ's followers worldwide to be united in his call as one community in Christ's way of compassion and mercy and love. And then he prayed one more thing. He prayed for God to set us apart for this holy work as God's holy people. And that does not mean that we are better than anyone else in the world, nor that we're better than anyone who believes differently than we do. It simply means we have a particular call to live in a particular way, in our particular context, set apart to do what God calls and equips us to do. Jesus asked God all of that on our behalf to protect us, to unify us, to serve in a world where fear and greed and pain threaten to tear us apart. Do we hear that? Do we hear Jesus' prayer for God to empower us? Do we hear the gift that Jesus asks God to give we need to hear this prayer for our own sakes. Many times after we have prayed for someone, they will come back and say, thank you for your prayers. I could really feel them. I could really sense that people were praying for me. Just think about how powerful that is when we do the praying. Now think about how powerful that is when Jesus does the praying for us. Prayer is love, writes David Lose, taking the time to name the hopes and joys and concerns, fears and thanksgiving of someone you know, and to bring all of that into the presence of God through prayer is an act of love, plain and simple. It expresses trust that the one who is being prayed for is as important to God as they are to you. In other words, Jesus' prayer for his disciples then and for we who are his disciples now is an act of his love. And so if you can do just one thing this week, only one thing, 
hear Jesus' prayer for you. Really hear it. And let it drench the deepest, driest, thirstiest places in your life and in your ministry. Amen.